0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VIP Void. void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Uh. Yeah. Uh.
1: Alright, what's up? Welcome in, GC Live. Are we on the right side or not? I I honestly forget at this point. No,
2: we're good. We're good, we're good this time. Good? Last okay. right. last week we got switched around.
1: Yeah, I was it. surprised um I don't know. Maybe maybe y'all are asleep at the wheel. I was surprised nobody yelled <laughs> at us about it. Normally, y'all, y'all yell at us when we um, get swapped on the video version of the show, which, again, by the way, is the best by far way to watch or listen to the show, in my opinion. Shout out to you if you're listening or watching, though, wherever you see fit. We're on all the podcast platforms, of course, on YouTube and on Twitter at Gamecock Central as well. GC Live Monday episode of the show brought to you by, as always, Clint Hammond. Of MoveMicMortgage, clenthammond.com, 803 771 6933. If you're in the market for a new home, or maybe you've just, you want to be in the market for a new home, not sure what you can afford, not sure what the process is, call Clint. He's a mortgage broker here in Columbia, um, but can help you out regardless of where you are in the great state of South Carolina. Of course, final preview South Carolina versus Kentucky. Chris, I, I'll tell you, man, one of the things about this job, is I I feel like you know certain teams, maybe you get to see them a pretty good bit during the year, and maybe you already have a feel for what to expect going into the game, and maybe your opinion doesn't change as the week progresses. I would say this is actually a game that my opinion of Kentucky, my opinion of what this Kentucky team is all about, and really my opinion of how this game may play out, has kind of shifted a little bit as the week has gone on, and as I have learned a little bit more about kind of what this Kentucky team has maybe hung its hat on, and also what they've struggled with.
2: Why is that? You just—I I know you've had the iPad out this week, watching some game film. Is it just going over the film, going over the stats, looking at the wins and losses? What What do you? What's um,
1: m- more so. I I kind of think if you just look at the like look test like the you just eyeball them Kentucky looks similar to many of the Kentucky teams I've seen before. What really has changed my opinion has been listening to the guys at KSR, and you know they do daily shows. They have a, a weekly sort of podcast as well, which is them breaking down what just happened and looking ahead to the next game and just them sort of identifying some of the issues that Kentucky has had and then off of that trying to dive into some of the stats. Um, This is just not quite the Kentucky maybe defense that we're used to seeing. And so, you know, I kind of had this thought in my back of my head, like, yes, South Carolina has played well on offense at home. And Mm -hmm. um, you know we know Spencer Rattler's been great. We know Leggett has been great, but I kind of had the last two, three, four year Kentucky defenses in my head. Those teams very good up front, and uh, in my opinion, on defense, and very good at making you earn your way down the field and limiting big plays. And in my head, I'm just was sort of thinking that that's not a great recipe for South Carolina, if Kentucky can take away those big plays like they're kind of designed to do because we know how reliant South Carolina is on those, right? Well, the, the more you dive into it, the more you kind of see, yes, they are still kind of a zone-heavy team. Now, listen to those guys as well. They do mix it up. Like, they're not going to literally just rush four, sit in a cover three, and just be in the exact same defense. All game long. They're going to mix it up. You have to be prepared for all that. But they've always been zone heavy under Stoops. I feel like they normally recruit very well to that. And um, they, they just have, have really struggled more than I thought in the secondary. And for for a bunch that is kind of built on keeping the ball in front, built on having that length and making you throw into tight windows – and then built on rallying to the football and tackling, tackling well. They just have not really done that this year, particularly when they face good offenses. So that that has shifted my thinking from being like, all right, this may be another kind of low-scoring type game where it is pivotal that South Carolina, you know, finds a way to slow down Ray Davis to thinking, well, maybe this is a week South Carolina can score some points again at home
2: yeah and and i've got some thoughts on the gamecock offense for sure but to to kind of just piggyback off a few points you made there i think most people expect this to be a close game i haven't heard from anybody that one team or the other is gonna stage a blowout tomorrow night at williams bryce that would be i mean maybe it happens but i don't think you have any great reason for thinking that and so you just mentioned Wes. i mean Kentucky's had some warts exposed this season. So is South Carolina, right? And so when I go up and down, I was thinking about this earlier today. You go up and down the schedules. Kentucky actually had a pretty favorable schedule this year, all things considered. Now, I know they've played four of the best team, well, three of the best uh, teams in the league. Four of them, really. I should have said that four of them, over the past five weeks, and they've lost those four games. But even then, a little bit more favorable. Yeah, they had to go to Georgia, and they got walloped in that game, to use my favorite word, Wes. But they got Missouri at home. They got Tennessee at home. They had to go to Starkville, but that was a a poor Mississippi State team. And, yeah, they had to play Alabama, but at least they got it at home, right? So their first five games, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, at Vandy. Not much of a test. South Carolina has had probably, arguably, the nation's toughest schedule. And so, neither of these teams has racked up really an impressive win. The Gamecocks should have beaten Florida, as we know. Kentucky played Florida at home, and they beat them. 33-14, to 14. that was the Ray Davis breakout game. That was an impressive team. Now, an impressive win, but it turns out Florida's not that good. So, Really, neither of these teams have had that big of a win, that quality of a win. And they've also played in their losses some pretty darn good teams, right, with the exception of South Carolina and Florida. And so um, I think that makes it tough to peg either of these teams. This is probably, for both of these teams, Wes, this may be one of the more even matchups, right, like Kentucky – is obviously not up to the par this year of a Georgia, Missouri, Alabama. They did play Tennessee very close, six-point game. South Carolina is not up to par to those same teams. These teams seem a little bit more close to each other, and that's why I think this game uh, is so fascinating.
1: Yeah, and it's a a coin flip game, man. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's a toss-up, and, you know, unfortunately for South Carolina, you have kind of, you've you've run out of room on these toss-up games. Like, you've run out of room to kind of have it go against you because, really, dude, we're all going to look back on that Florida game and that's going to be the one where you're like 10-point lead, fourth quarter. I mean, the conversation right now is completely with the exact same season. Everything else is the same. Add in one fourth down stop against that Florida team late, And you you can't if your way to, you know, like what what if Jacksonville State scores on that final drive? You know, so it goes both ways. But point being, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're going to look back at that game and say that's the one that sort of um, flipped the season from being a solid season versus having to have no margin for error down the stretch in terms of, um, you know, dropping a game. And so it, it puts some pressure on you to go win this game. Now, I think there's some momentum in South Carolina's favor right now. Played a pretty complete game last week. Granted, it was against Vandy. But, you know, there, there's been a sense for a while, man, that when you play in Alabama, you you feel those effects for, for a couple of weeks. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I don't know if that's still considered a thing. But still, um, I, I think you like where you are as far as like the intangibles of this game, if you're South Carolina, even though you have a worse record because they're coming into your place night game. They've been very good in this situation against beatable opponents under Shane Beamer. And even against opponents where they were very much underdogs, they've been pretty good in this spot. So, you know, I think all that sets up pretty well for you. Cocky Joe saying Spencer's going to go off. Um, you know, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Spencer's went off pretty much every home game to this point. And the the other thing that caught my attention, Chris, just listening to the KSR guys talk, and we're gonna hear from Adam Luckett here in a second, um, who writes for KSR, Kentucky Sports Report. They talked about how opposing quarterbacks have had career days against Kentucky's defense. And that that's just not something you're used to seeing. And you know, They talked about very high completion percentages against this defense, which we know at home, South Carolina's offense as far as the passing game has been very efficient in in terms of completion percentage. And also, man, if you look at their third down numbers, it's an area South Carolina has kind of struggled at on both sides. Kentucky's third down numbers on both sides of the ball, not great either, which I, I think, you know, If you could tell me those two things would be kind of even for South Carolina, then I like their chances overall with seven and 17 throwing the football, you know, seven throwing the ball to 17, obviously, against a secondary that is not quite up to par with what we're used to seeing from them.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and it's been said in so many times in so many different ways by, us and, and Dowell Loggins is really fond of saying it, man, that if, if you got seven, you, you got a chance. And um, certainly Kentucky has played some good quarterbacks this year, right? Some talented teams with talent around those quarterbacks and some challenging systems, you know, and that's something that I know Adam will talk about is just like Tennessee, for instance, right? That system has really stressed Kentucky in their recent matchups but you also play some really good quarterbacks. Well, they are going to play another one this week in Spencer Rattler. I think it's a different type of challenge, Wes, because look at a lot of the plays that Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler have made. A lot of plays in in man coverage where Xavier Leggett's just beating a guy, right? Spencer Rattler's just making a great throw. There have been some in zone for sure. But this Kentucky team's a zone-heavier team. Their goal is going to be to prevent explosive plays, um and it's going to be for South Carolina hey you've buttered your bread with with explosive plays and so might be a little bit different this might be a game where you've got to like if you make an explosive play you earn it so don't take this the wrong way but this may be a little bit more of a chain mover game for South Carolina you might have to get six yards on a run every now and then you might need to convert a third and six a third and eight a third and four there's going to be some critical situations like that the the good news is Wes I I think Spencer Rattler has shown the ability to make all types of plays this year especially when he's been given time so that'll be a big aspect to this game as well the Kentucky pass rush has not been as good as they would like South Carolina's pass protection has not been as good as they would like and so there's just so many different storylines to this game where it's kind of a something's got to give uh, type of situation. And, you know, whichever direction those a few of those different things go in, that's going to determine the outcome of this game.
1: Yeah, I do think in a game that is kind of unpredictable, I think you can predict you're going to see a, a fun game for South Carolina fans who who make the track, who get out there. I, I think night game, full day of tailgating, Darude in the house, Um two very closely matched football teams. I think, I think the only way this game gets out of hand, because we do sometimes see closely matched teams where a game could just snowball, you know, to to either team. I think the only way it really gets out of hand is one team struggles with turnovers and uh, just kind of lets the opponent put them away because of that or, or special teams. You know, I think, um, South Carolina's special teams have obviously not been the difference maker that we have seen them be, but, you know, Kentucky has had some issues on special teams at times. So th- does that become a factor? Uh, if it is tight, does the kicking game become a factor? I, I, I was about to steal his thunder. We won't do that. Um, Adam actually gave a really detailed answer about Kentucky's special teams and just about kind of how they are at, in the field goal game. Pretty efficient. If you get to a certain point, I, I don't know if they necessarily have the range um, to extend out at that position, but inside 45, um, pretty good. But I'll, I'll let Adam go to the other details on that. I, I tell you what, Chris, let's um, you want to talk about Trey, and then we'll go on out to Adam.
2: Yeah, let's let everybody know about our friend Trey Harrell. And let me take just a second and put up his banner here because it'll help you remember how on brand is that, Wes help you remember that you can go to Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok and follow at Trey Helps. That's our buddy Trey Harrell. He's an auto accident attorney right here in the great state of South Carolina. Great guy, very helpful guy, because he helps folks who are injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over South Carolina. Now, of course, we hope that you are never injured in an auto accident. We hope you never have a family member who is or that you don't know somebody who is, but they do happen. And if it happens to you, if it happens to somebody you know or somebody you love, you want to make sure that they have somebody fighting for them, somebody who's on their side. So if you have been injured in an auto accident in the Palmetto State, make sure you don't go at it alone. Find you an attorney who's going to fight for you, who's going to fight to get what you deserve, and find an attorney who helps. So remember that Trey Harrell helps. That's at Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. Go give him a follow right now. And then go to his website if you need more information or would like more information, attorney com. that's trey harrell appreciate him being a part of gc live and helping us bring you this program a couple times a week
1: all right let's go out to um y- y'all know we've done this the last few weeks we had adam luckett he was actually on with us on the gamecock central takeover hour 1075 earlier today so uh you will hear tyler head talking first and you're gonna hear me and chris in there as well and hopefully there's not a random advertisement thrown in this one. I think we had that issue last time. I have noticed that with a couple of podcasts, depending on the platform, it, it sort of gets baked in there when I pull it out. So hopefully that won't be the case here. Um, let's go out now. This is Adam Luckett of KSR, Kentucky Sports Radio. He joined us earlier today.
3: I love Chevrolet phone lines from Kentucky Sports Radio. Adam Luckett. Adam, first of all, thanks so much. We're taking a few minutes of your time this morning to give us some insight into this Kentucky program. They come in off of a tough loss at home to Alabama last weekend, 41-29. And while maybe the expectation was not for Kentucky to pull the upset, when you play a team like that, you can often often learn a lot about where your team and your program stand against a program like Alabama. What, if anything, did you learn coming away from last weekend's game about the Wildcats?
0: Yeah, I think you kind of look back and you combine it with the Georgia game well, when Kentucky played them back in October. I think they they entered a game against what might be the two best teams in college football who were both ready to go from the jump and Kentucky just wasn't um, ready for that kind of prize heavyweight fight. And so they, they really got hit with a big jab early and never really responded after that. And it just showed where Kentucky is and they, where they are on the food chain, I would say. Um, and really, in big moments this year, they've fallen short against teams, ranked teams specifically, and that's kind of been the story of the season. Kentucky's handled everyone else, but when they've gotten in big moments against some of these higher-ranked teams, they've they, they've fallen short.
1: Hey, Adamus West, appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, I think you're probably on the way to Columbia right now. Uh, how far along are we on the trip?
0: Yeah, we just topped on 64 about 30-ish minutes ago, so we still got at least a good six. For
1: 7 hours left but looking forward to getting down there. Yeah man, looking forward to having y'all here. So um I from the outside looking in man, I'm used to seeing a Kentucky defense that uh you know is is really good up front and then just has really tight windows to throw into on the back end. It doesn't necessarily seem like this Kentucky team especially when they've faced good offenses has kind of uh, been up to that standard this year. Uh, watching them every single week like you do, what have been the issues? with Kentucky's defense, especially when they play uh, really good offenses?
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned up front. I still think they're good up front. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're stopping the run at a pretty good clip. Um, Only really Tennessee has been able to get it going, but I think that for Kentucky, that was more of kind of a matchup scheme issue. They've had a hard time matching up with Heupel ever since he's been there. Uh, For everyone else, they're stopping the run, but their big weakness is just kind of the pass rush, coverage, combo, and more so on the coverage into things, they're really struggling in the secondary. They dealt with some injuries this year, um, and that's been the point of the team where they've really had their biggest problems on defense. And that's the thing they're trying to figure out. Um, it sounds like they're going to get some guys back this week, which will help. Um, but that's that's the place you can get Kentucky. Is spread them out and throw it on them, and if you can protect the quarterback, um, they've they've been known there. They've shown this year that they will be able to give up some yards. So that when you're looking at biggest weaknesses on the Kentucky team definitely say the secondary and pass coverage it's not just been the coverage aspect tackling has been poor too so it's been all of kind of around the board of disappointing play there in the back end and that's definitely um, the biggest weakness on the team as we stay at this point in the season
2: Adam Chris Clark here thanks again for joining us so given that you mentioned that it, it kind of put this question in my mind Mark Stoops talked on Monday about how explosive South Carolina's offense has been and if you look at some of South Carolina's metrics They have indeed been very explosive, whether it's scoring plays or getting themselves in position to possibly score via chunk plays. And we know that Stoops' defensive philosophy is to prevent those big explosive plays. Have they been, has Kentucky been not as adept this year because they've had tackling issues, because they've had pass rush and secondary issues? How do you feel that matchup could possibly go with South Carolina being really good at creating explosive plays and Kentucky, you know, not wanting to give them up?
0: Yeah, I think with Kentucky, it's his own heavy defense. And so um, you're not going to get a lot of one-on-ones. They're going to make you make, like Wes mentioned, some tight window throws. Uh, But they just have bust and coverage. So uh, there's there's been moments where guys are just running wide open. Um, That's more shown up against Alabama and Georgia. I think the Missouri game was a little bit weird in that field position was just a huge part of that game. Um, Brady Cook, Cook, I think he kept them ahead of the change, but they weren't really hitting a bunch of explosives in the air. They kept Florida in check in the air, but I think Georgia and Alabama, they just got overwhelmed, I think, by kind of the talent in the moment of those games. And then Tennessee was um, more so a scheme thing. So I think Kentucky, there's definitely some aspect, especially if you go tempo maybe, what Tennessee can do. You can maybe catch them uh, with communication issues and Um uh, But They hang their head on big play prevention, and they've always done that, and that has let them down this year on defense. And that's probably the biggest root of their problems is that they've been a little bit more leaky in the big play department, and that's not what this defense is built to be. It's built to take those away and make you go on 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives to score touchdowns. And we've seen way too many, I think, of those five, six play drives where teams are hitting bombs over their head and creating easy scores.
3: Again, talking to Adam Luckett from Kentucky Sports Radio, you mentioned tempo there a moment ago. And this Kentucky offense runs fewer plays per game than anybody in the country. But, uh, you know, going back a couple weeks ago, they did start to mix some tempo in against a team like Tennessee, and that actually ended up being perhaps Devin Leary's best performance of the entire season, did only end up losing that game by six points. What is kind of the philosophy behind mixing in the tempo, and why does that maybe benefit Devin Leary compared to the other ways they've run things on offense this year?
0: Yeah, I think uh, part of it is he comes from more of a spread-ish background at NC State where Kentucky's very much pro-style. They're as pro-style, I would say, as any offense in college football, just from a huddle aspect, and tight formations and under center and all everything that comes with that. So I think there was some comfortability with that. I also think a lot of that was just they were staying ahead of the chains. A big thing with the Kentucky, this Kentucky offense is they've just fallen behind the chains, and that's been a bad news for them because they haven't been able to recover from that. And I think for Leary, just look at his completion percentage. That's been a big thing. Just completing passes has been a problem for them this year. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people get hung up on the pace, and that has been a big discussion point around here. But more so, it's just the overall efficiency of the offense. It's not getting behind in the run game. It's throwing, completing passes, not creating second and tens. And when they have struggled, that's when they struggle. When they're not completing passes – He's hovering around 50% completion rate. Um, and the run game's been a little bit boomer bust with Ray Davis. It's not the efficiency that you're used to seeing from a Benny Snell or Chris Rodriguez, where they're just churning and getting four, five, six yards. There's been more kind of like, oh, there's a 30 yard gain. But, oh, there's two yards, there's three yards, there's one yard, there's a loss of three. Um, it's been a lot of kind of boomer bust uh, factor with this offense. And that's, I think, when you look at the low play count, that has a lot to do with that.
1: Adam, there's been a lot of talk around here in Columbia about South Carolina. They they've run a lot more three three five the last couple of weeks after you know they they base out of a four two five. But um, you know Kentucky is one of the uh, maybe few opponents South Carolina plays where, like you said, it is a little bit more pro style. But just from a uh, personnel standpoint on offense, is this a Kentucky offense that's going to put two tight ends on the field? and maybe force South Carolina into like some 4-3 looks, which we really don't see them do much of at all? Or are they still a team, even when they want to run the football, are they still putting those three receivers on the field?
0: They will run a good blend of 12 personnel. Mm -hmm. You will see that a good amount. They have three tight ends that they want to play. Uh, Jordan Dingle, number 85, Brendan Bates, number 80, and Josh Kattis, number 84. So they are going to use them. Now, it's not a full-on... 12 personnel offense. They still want to get their three top receivers on the field as much as possible, but they are going to mix that up. And with Liam Cohen, that's a big thing with this offense. It's mixing up personnels, giving different looks. And so, yeah, I, I will, would fully expect if Kentucky's having issues with kind of what a three-three-five brings, which is a lot of you don't know where that fourth rusher is coming from, you don't know kind of where to set your blocking schemes. I would imagine to make it easier, I would would we'll go to the 12 personnel and try to get Carolina out of that if it comes to
2: that. Adam, when you look at special teams, we tend to talk about that more here in Columbia than, you know, in past years or maybe at some other places because of how, how explosive they've been in that area. Give us your assessment of the matchup on special teams that we all think this is probably going to be a closer, you know, fourth quarter game. So maybe a special teams play here or there could, could weigh into this equation. What does Kentucky look like? In the kicking game, the coverage game, protecting all those things.
0: Yeah, Georgia Southern transfer Alex Rayner has been really dependable for Kentucky. They oddly haven't had to use him much field goal wise because they've done a pretty good job finishing drives when scoring opportunities present. Um, but he's been pretty reliable. On um, anything about forty-five yards and in, I think they feel really, really good uh, about him. Kickoff coverage has been pretty good. Um, they put in the they put in the end zone a lot for touchbacks. Marion Brown. It's very dangerous as a kick returner, and they do put him back there on punts. If they think there's a chance for a big return, they want to get him the ball. Um, and he's shown that he can take it to the house at any moment, but he's also shown where he there's some bad returns mixed in there too. So um, he's kind of a boom and bust player back there, but he can take it to the house at any point. Um, he's probably been the best kick returner this program has had in quite a while. And then punting has been a big issue. I believe Kentucky's down in the hundreds in net punting average. The coverage has been good. They're just not getting a lot of hang time or air on some of these punts. So, I mentioned the Missouri game. That game really flips. If you go back and watch that game, Kentucky's up fourteen uh, nothing. Missouri gets a fourth, and I think three, and it kind of in no man's land where it would have been like a fifty-six yard field goal. They fake a punt. The punter drops a dime, and a receiver makes a great catch, score a touchdown, and that game totally flips. And then short punts allow Missouri to get a lot of short fields in the second half which led to some easy scoring drives for them. So Kentucky has lost the game essentially because of special teams play, and that's a concern. Obviously, when you're going up against a Shane Beamer and Pete Limbo team, especially when you look back last year, South Carolina blocked the punt, and they kind of flipped that game early. So that um, that is a big concern. But overall, Kentucky's special teams have been approved. It was really just that one game against Missouri where it kind of really cost the team in a big
1: moment. Hey, Adam, we got about two minutes till a hard break here. Like Chris said, uh, probably a tight game. From the Kentucky perspective, what, what are your keys to victory or, or keys to, to who is going to be the victor in this one?
0: Yeah, I think I kind of look at it, and I think Spencer Rattler is kind of going to get his. Xavier Leggett's is kind of going to get his. Uh, but I think Kentucky should be able to make South Carolina one-dimensional. Uh, and so it's just really just don't give up the big play and make them earn drives. But then offensively, I think Kentucky, you know, you really need to make South Carolina's defense has struggled to get stops, it looks like. The Vanderbilt performance kind of came out of nowhere. And so you really need to take advantage of that. So I think for Kentucky, get the run game going, find balance, um, be able to throw the football and score some points. Feels like a game, the first one to 30, is probably going to win it. Um, so for Kentucky, they've shown they can get there in SEC play um, previously. And then the Tennessee game, we've seen them really pass heavy. One game, we've seen them really run heavy Florida. So if they can put that together, I think they can have a good performance. And So I think for Kentucky, it's score some points, finish drives, and defensively it's take away the run and don't give up the big pass play and make South Carolina kind of earn their scores.
1: That Adam Luckett, of course, KSR. um, Some good stuff there from Adam talking about this game. You know what has been maybe not talked about or who has not been talked about, Chris, is Devin Leary. Like, I, we, mm-hmm. we've talked about him, but maybe not as much as uh, we, we should be because I, I feel like coming into this season, you look at what Kentucky did in the portal, and um, they, they had Devin Leary. That was considered to be, shoot, a, a huge get for them, especially when you look mm-hmm. at, at, you know, losing a quarterback to the NFL. So they go out, they get him. I can't remember what wasn't Devin Leary thought to be leaning somewhere else. I, I feel like it, dude. At one point, it was thought he was going elsewhere. Kentucky gets him, mm-hmm. and they team him up with Ray Davis. Um, they, uh, you know, they get um, Sumo Karnbe, the uh, the running back who personal favorite there. They're running him out there a little bit more as, like, an H-back when I've watched Chris. Uh, He is playing, though, but Ray Davis, obviously, kind of their premier back. And they added a couple of guys from the portal on the offensive line, which we know is actually very difficult to do. It's very hard to find true SEC guys in the portal. But the perception was they hit a home run in the portal. Right. Then they start the year like you're talking about earlier against opponents that they should beat and they did. So the the hype sort of built. you meant when I saw them dismantle Florida and the way Ray Davis looked that day and the way they were the way that defense was sort of swarming to the football and getting there fast and tackling Florida, I was like this Kentucky team looks good. Yep. And um that was right after Florida had beaten Tennessee. So uh, you know, I'm I, I completely bought in. And now that they've come back down to earth. Now some of that is, dude, if you if you put the Ray Dave, if you put Ray Davis anywhere close to the guy we saw against Florida, and then if Leary was the guy we thought they were getting for this season, it, it may be a completely different year, but but my thought was if they they add Devin Leary, team him up with um, some good tight ends with Ray Davis, I feel like a trio of receivers that they've dropped a lot of balls, but on paper were really good. And then I'm like, oh, they're gonna pair that up with the typical Kentucky defense. This could work. Like they, that was the team I honestly, frankly, thought might be in Missouri's position right now, where you're saying. Yeah. Dude, they're not Georgia, but credit where it's due, they're pretty dang good. And it just really has not played out like that.
2: Well, it it hasn't. and, And I just think, Wes, I don't think this is a bad football team in Kentucky, you know? But again, go back to what I said earlier. They don't really have that impressive of a win. You might can count Florida because of how they won that game. They kind of did, I mean, not even what you should do. Even if you say Florida's a bad football team or an average or below average, the way that they beat Florida was impressive. Pick another team. like Let's say Georgia. I mean, Georgia did beat Florida pretty badly, but pick whatever other team put them on the field against Florida. We'd be saying, well, that was an impressive win, right? But they don't have a win over a really good team. Again, same thing with South Carolina. They played a really tough schedule. They played Tennessee very close. They blew Florida out. So I do think this is a team that's had a lot of potential. I think the the meatiest part of their SEC schedule, they just haven't been able to break through. And what Adam was from KSR was talking about there on the radio: Hey, can they put these things together? Can they take the big passing performance from the Tennessee game? Can they take the the Florida, you know, run performance that Ray Davis put on? Can they add those together? If you're South Carolina, boy, you hope not, because that'd be a 275 yard plus rushing attack and then a really good passing game, too. So I think there are some reasons when you dive in that it hasn't happened. But I also think there's certainly a very fair element of they just haven't they haven't reached expectations. I mean, they've got a missed opportunity on their resume too. Actually, a couple of them. If if South Carolina's big missed opportunity, probably got a couple of those as well at georgia you're up 14 to three at the half if you're south carolina didn't finish that game right then you look at the other one is the obvious one that you mentioned earlier west that's the florida game well if you're kentucky you lost by six to tennessee you were very much in that game and then that missouri game that adam talked about that i, I kind of forget about that game kentucky dominated that game in the first quarter dominated then the fake punt happened. It was still a close game going into the fourth quarter and Missouri ended up running away with the thing. They'll probably look at that as a missed opportunity. So again, it's another similarity between these teams and that you just look at the missed opportunities. You get the feeling that both of them are kind of close in some regard, but they've just had some different warts that have been exposed, you know, that have, that have hurt them.
1: No doubt, man. And so we, um, you know, we talked about Devin Leary earlier this week a little bit. We had somebody weigh in and said, Hey, you know, I think it was my my husband is an NC State fan. Uh, he was very up and down there as well. But dude, you look look back, Devin Leary at his best. I mean, this guy completed almost 66% of his passes, three thousand four hundred and thirty three yards, thirty-five touchdowns, and five interceptions in two thousand and twenty one at NC State. So, I mean, dude, that's a year right there. I mean that's shoot if not I I know you can't compare one to the other but um this is just fresh in my mind cuz I was looking at it earlier this week where Spencer Rattler is in South Carolina's all-time passing list for a season. I mean I think that would be first or second all-time at South Carolina for passing yards in a season. I can't remember what Dylan had exactly. Um and I don't know what I did with that piece of paper, but um that's first or second all time, just for a little bit of context and a little bit of perspective there. So, Devin Leary, if you're a Kentucky fan and you're like, man, we added this guy out of the portal, you're feeling pretty good about that position. And granted, he, um, you know, 19 touchdowns this year, so he he's actually thrown for more touchdown passes than Spencer Rattler this year overall. But you dive deeper into the numbers, man, and um, just completing 56.6% of his passes. If you get into conference play, that dips down to 54.9%. If you get on the road, granted, we're just talking about a 77 attempt sample size. But on the road, Leary completing just 49.4% of his passes. So, you know, just the... um, the efficiency, it's hard to be efficient on offense. I don't care what the scheme is. I don't care what the details are. I don't care. Is it because you dropped passes? Is it because, you know, any of you can almost take any of that out. If you're completing 49% of your passes, I feel like the numbers just aren't going to be in your favor in terms of like, like what we talk about with South Carolina. You have, the three downs to make ten yards, and so it's very hard to be efficient if you know one out of every two times you throw the ball it is hitting the ground um so then you throw in what they're telling us about Ray Davis in that he's been a little bit more of a thirty yards here, one yard there as opposed to turning five 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 six six seven you know um so. These these offenses are very differently structured, but statistically, it sounds like they deal with some of the same issues, and that's just they're very hit or miss and very reliant on creating some big plays along the way.
2: Yeah, the, the feast or famine, we've seen that with South Carolina. Um, Gamecocks have actually been, I don't have a stat to accompany this, West, but there have been several times this year where they're backed up and you're going, oh, boy, they're backed up. And they're able to go put together, not just not just get out of there and punt the football away, but go score a touchdown. And a lot of it has been because of, you know, big explosive plays that have helped them mount some drives, whether it's a you throw the football to Xavier Leggett and he scores or Mario Anderson with a long run or just some big chunk plays uh, that go and get you in position. You go look at Ray Davis's stat line. He has three hundred yard plus games. One of them, he has two eighty. That was the game that really put him on the map for everybody who had not watched him at Mandy. But then you go through and look, and and I go back to the one that you mentioned last last week, Wes, or earlier this week, twenty one for eighty, I think against Mississippi State. Man, and it's like where I, I will sign a contract for that right now. You know, if you're South Carolina, you you would absolutely love to see that. So. I think a big part of that is Kentucky's been very inconsistent running the football, right? So just a lot of inconsistencies uh, on both sides of the ball for the offense for both of
1: these teams and for the defense. So, Chris, looking, you know, it it got my my brain kind of turning there. A lot of talk about the number of drops Kentucky has had this year. Would you believe that – Devin Leary, this is according to PFF's numbers. We we got to say that ahead of time. Um, sometimes, eh, don't always agree, but Devin Leary, among quarterbacks in the SEC, according to PFF, has dealt with the most drops in the SEC this season with 19. Number two, Spencer Rattler was 17 drops. So, you know, we saw drops be an issue last week, even though several of them frankly, that should have been drops were not even counted, at least in terms of the way PFF does their thing. So, um, Devin Leary, just one of those things, Chris, I bring up just for everybody to throw into the very back of their mind if this happens to pop up on Saturday. His grade in terms of protecting the football in the running game, so that's the fumble grade on PFF, is... Very low, so fifty-two point six. So um, there, there have been signs that he has not protected the football when he's gotten hit this year, at least according to that analytics. So maybe it's you know if you see Taka Hemingway or Boogie or one of those guys force a fumble, maybe you maybe you remember me saying that that's been kind of kind of an issue for them this year. And so um, th- this is a game when you you obviously we all think it's going to be pretty tight, pretty close. Um, those things are, are gonna matter. Those things are gonna be big factors in, in how this thing turns out.
2: Yeah, for sure. And that's one of my keys to the game was and you know, one of those ones that you can stick in most weeks, but in a game where the the line is what two, one point five, it basically a pick 'em game. Basically, as you described it earlier, a toss up game. South Carolina now favored, by the way. Fa- yes, favored, yes.
1: By .5, I think last well, .5.
2: Yeah, I think I think it opened it two, something like that. It, you know, and so it's it's gone the other way a little bit, but regardless, it stayed a close game. And and I haven't talked to anybody who thinks this is going to be a blowout one way or another. That becomes critical, right? You you can maybe lose the turnover battle to a lesser team and still hold serve and still win a game and not play great. And this one, it's really truly gonna come down to probably a team makes a couple more plays, right? An explosive play for a touchdown, Um, finishing a play, breaking up a key pass, getting a key pick, falling on a fumble. Those little things in this game are going to be so, so important. And so I I think, and this is what I'm I'm writing in my keys to the game, you know, you got to play, I think, even in the turnover margin or you need to go win it. And uh, this Gamecock defense has been better the past two games enforcing takeaways but a lot of that in my opinion has been because of the quality of opponent you play jacksonville state you play vandy more opportunities for turnovers so if you if you can create some or if you have the opportunity to pick up some this weekend you got to do that and then the gamecock offense well they've been they've been so much better than last season at protecting the football they've got to continue
1: that uh tomorrow night i want to point out i think we only talked about it on the radio we did talk about it um, in passing on this show, but Kentucky, not a team that has been really good at getting to the quarterback. And that, that's that been the secret sauce for South Carolina this year. Like, I made the point earlier, it has felt like for a decade you could just say, hey, if South Carolina can run the ball today, they're going to have success on offense. For much of the Champ era, you could just go circle, hey, did they run the football today? And you probably, with no other information, (laughs) you could have at least said if they were pretty good on offense that day. Um, Probably many times predicted if they won or not, based on that one number. This season, with Rattler, with Leggett, with some of the tight ends, we've seen Josh Simon come along. I think those guys could have a pretty big day, by the way, against, um, if you kind of just talk about the middle of the field, Kentucky has struggled at safety, and they don't have much depth at linebacker. Maybe a chance for some of those guys to um, catch a couple balls down the seams. Anyway, I digress. Not a team that has consistently gotten pressure on quarterbacks. And for South Carolina this year, when Rattler has had time, very few other things have mattered because he has just put so many passes on the money. I feel like this year, even with drops, when there's been time, he's just kept firing away. He just, he just keeps making plays for you. And, you know, may, maybe they're just not quite as athletic up front. Maybe they're not quite as good up front. I don't know. They're, they're still pretty good, like Adam said, against the run, I think. But if Rattler has time, and even if that means Rattler can sort of just create a little bit, we've seen him keeping his eyes down the field. Really, the only time this offense has just been swallowed up whole has been – Against opponents where they they just get you, you have multiple one on one wins for the defense up front that kind of very quick pressure where you see Rattler just doesn't have a chance to do anything. Um, we've seen him even deal with pressure when it's you know hey one guy one guy gets off of uh, you know off of a block the rest of the line does their job. We saw it early on against Vandy last week the throw on the run to get Mm-hmm. South Carolina's in a third and long and had gotten stopped on their first drive before that play. So it really wasn't a pretty start for the majority of the first two drives. So, um, you know, I, I I think that's just the thing you circle, man. He has been so good for South Carolina that it's going to look a little bit different for all the reasons we talked about because this defense and the way it's structured. I'm, I, I've really liked what Dow Loggins has done this year. I'm very curious to see what tweaks he's dialed up for finding some windows and finding some holes in a defense that's a little bit different than I think most of the ones South Carolina sees.
2: Yeah, you hit on a great point. I, I am very intrigued by what his approach is going to be, even even more so than saying, hey, how much 3-3-5 will we see defensively or what, what's that going to look like? I'm even more intrigued by what is the plan of attack for Dow Loggins for this Kentucky defense. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. They mainly stem from South Carolina's running back situation. There's just so many questions that come off of that. For instance, does South Carolina say, do they come out and say, we're going to throw the ball a lot. How much does DJ Braswell play and in what circumstances, um, Lenore Sellers, how much do we see him? Schematically, what does the run look like? Do we see uh, a Marion Brown and Xavier Leggett more involved in the running game? These are the questions that I have, and admittedly I don't really have the answers for them, but I'm very, very interested to see that. You know, Mario Anderson, has, he's had a good season. He had a good game last week, but the run blocking, even against Vanderbilt, was not very good. You've pointed this out, Wes. There, there are a lot of runs that were kind of stopped before they had a chance to start, or Mario Anderson kind of made more of it. Can they dial up some things uh, in the run game that give them more of a chance for some big plays? Can they block the basics a little bit better? Will having quite possibly slash probably the same offensive line combination, will that help you? They're just, there are probably eight to ten questions just based on the run game in the offensive schematic approach that you could think of.
1: Yeah, I I tell you, man, I, I think having those same five guys, and it's not the exact five going back to the Florida game, but it is very close to that configuration. You you just have Jakai at left guard instead of Trey Jones, which you did in that game. But I I just wonder, we talked about it earlier this week a little bit. I wonder if that allows them to be a little bit more diverse, a little bit more multiple, a little bit however you want to say it, can, can you run a few more different run looks? Because I, I think they're going to have to show Kentucky, you know, whether that's more gap scheme, more counter, um, you know, trying to toss the ball out to the outside a little bit, whatever that is. I don't know the answers. They, they're, they'll are they look at the defense and try to figure out what might have a shot. But I uh, just in general, what's the word? Volume. Use the word volume earlier this week. I I would like to see a little more, more volume from the running game in terms of what they do up front now that you do have the five guys, you know, three three games in a row now that you've known exactly who is going to be beside you if you're an offensive lineman. So I think that's important. I think that's noteworthy, and I'm with you. I, I, I frankly was – that's probably the most disappointing thing for me from a South Carolina perspective with the Vandy game was that some of those holes did not open up as the game progressed. And you know, then on the other side, you look at Ray Davis. It's kind of interesting, man. Kentucky has not been a great run blocking offensive front either, but Ray Davis has just been that good. I mean, you look at again back to the PFF stuff, but he's forced 42 missed tackles this year, which is second in the SEC. Um the only person who's forced more would be uh Quinshaw Judkins, the kid at Ole Miss that is just dynamic. And um, he's one, Ray Davis two, Jalen Wright from Tennessee is three. So, you know, a lot of what he's done has been all him. You look at Mario Anderson, 34 force Smith's tackles, which is sixth in the SEC. A lot of South Carolina's progress in the running game. I think, to be honest, has been Mario being able to, Move the pile a little bit more. Um, you know what we didn't talk about earlier this week that ties into this? Dow Logan said, well, we need to fact check this, but pretty sure he said no negative plays last week. Um. Ooh.
2: Well, we know no sacks.
1: From the yeah. offense. So. Yeah. Was there no negative plays? It. It. I I think there were maybe a couple of zeros but he he may be re- in the running game, you know. Right. I don't remember a play just getting blown up in the backfield. That's right. Yeah. So, I don't either. I, I know I know you can't expect that every week in Kentucky though. They're going to have a few TFLs like, you know, they they always do no matter what the, their defense is. But I I think I think Mario has kind of given you that little bit of just it's nuanced. It maybe doesn't show up in a highlight, but even for this offense, when you have the explosive guys you do, sometimes a two-yard run instead of a zero-yard run or a zero, a zero instead of a negative one-and-a-half, those add up, I think. And I, I think that's what we've seen with Mario Anderson. I think that's what he's added to this offense that is a nuanced um, difference maker. For them on that side of the ball.
2: Wes, let me give you a scenario. Do you, What do you feel better about in terms of South Carolina getting a first down and you have one play to get it on offense? Second and ten, third and two.
1: I know what I'm picking. I mean, I'm supposed to pick third and two, but it just and
2: and someone might come out with like a game cut rust style statistics say actually chris there's 65% on third and 2 it does not seem like it there right the mm. the point i'm trying to make is you know third and two things get more condensed teams are going to come up they're going to challenge you right and that is more of a situation where as as an offensive coordinator as a team you're more inclined to run the ball and say we got third and 2 we need to be able to run the football here But South Carolina has not been able to as much, and so that goes back to especially for this game when you're down some running backs. What do you have schematically or personnel-wise, you know, that you can plug in this a little bit different? So I, I don't know what you said in particular that got that on my mind, but something did. You know, you feel really good about Spencer Rattler with a with the whole array of everything at his disposal, with him being able to come make plays, and that goes back to the explosive nature of this offense, right? I I literally picked a 10-yard scenario versus, you know, a two-yard scenario, that boom or bust, that feast or famine. That that is, you know, kind of a feature of this offense. And I do think they're – look, if you walk away and have a bunch of explosive plays in this game, that's great. But I do think there are going to be some circumstances where they're going to have to pick up a third and short that's going to be important and critical in this game.
1: For sure, man. All right, we're about out of time. We got a we got a lot to get to. We got to give our final picks. Got a little bit of housekeeping, and um, also I want to give people, if I can find the link, I want to give people a chance to win something. Chris, I like to give stuff away. Oh, nice. Um, we already we gave away two tickets to the game for tomorrow. We already did that. Where's my link? Uh, I tell you what. In the meantime. I got to find that link. We're going to give away some more tickets. And uh, Chris, do you want to tell everyone for me while I do that about how you have no taxiety whatsoever in your life right now?
2: There's absolutely none. And it's great timing, Wes, because my wife and I had a call with our guy, Larry, from Liberty Tax earlier this week. And sitting in my email inbox right now is a phenomenal rundown of our tax situation, our tax plan, more questions for us. Great service, great knowledge. Larry and his team, they've been at it a while. Two locations out in Irmo. So if you're in the Midlands, hit them up, 803-462-5576. Avoid the tax side. Avoid chewing on that pencil. Uh, hey, taxes aren't fun. It's not a fun process, even if you work with some great people. But Larry makes it about as close to fun as you can possibly get. Great guy, funny guy, actually, and has a lot of tax knowledge and my family we feel great because he's been able to navigate us through the process let us know the latest and greatest in the tax code and uh you know how we can avoid you know some bad things in the tax front let's just say that uh we've been very very pleased with him you should do the same hit him up give him a call 803-462-5576
1: yeah appreciate Larry you're the man appreciate you supporting our show here and like I said, guys, let's, uh, let's give something away. So if you're on the podcast version, if you're on the audio version, you're just going to have to go find the link somewhere. But if you're on YouTube right now, if you're on Facebook, if you're joining us live, you should be seeing a link come across right now back to Gamecock Central, a chance to sign up to win two free tickets to South Carolina versus Clemson football next week. No purchase necessary. That should be a free link. Just hit it, and um, hopefully it turns into a link for you if you're on YouTube or, or Facebook. And love to send a couple of you to the game, and we'll see if South Carolina can get ball eligible. Chris, are the Gamecocks winning tomorrow evening on the SEC Network at 7:30 p.m. with Day Rude in the house?
2: I'm going with Vegas. I am going to pick a slight South Carolina win, West, so I don't bury the lead. It's not going to be a half point, though. I can't, I can't really pick that. But I do have South Carolina winning by three. Fourth quarter game, tight game. Whoo, some biting of nails going on in Williams Bryce for sure. I've got South Carolina
1: 27 and Kentucky 24. What about you? I dig it. Yep, Gamecocks winning 33 to 27. I've gone back and forth on how high scoring I think it might be. Um I, I could see I could see the scenario where both defenses stand up. And if both offenses are not getting big plays, this thing could get much more low scoring than we're talking about. But my my guess is you are gonna have at least one team get into the 30s. Um, you know, I, I picked 33 just because I kind of middled the difference between a 31 and a 35. And um, ultimately, uh, I put this game on Spencer Rattler, and I put this game on you guys listening, watching, as being the difference because I, I think we, we all know if South Carolina can have something good happen early, that Williams-Price Stadium at night, especially in November, can can pull South Carolina to a win. So we'll see if that's the case this time around. But I do have South Carolina winning 33-27. to 27. Gamecock Ryan, what's up, man? Hope you're doing well. He confirms our link is good. So, uh, yeah, hit it. Put in your name. Your email address will be giving away a couple of tickets to South Carolina versus Clemson. Um, hey, download our app too, by the way, y'all. If you go to the App Store on all the platforms, Android or Apple, um, hit the Own3 app and pick South Carolina as your team and you'll be able to get breaking news alerts straight to your phone, notifications straight to your phone. So, um, all right, that's it. I wanted to get into a little bit of women's basketball, actually, Chris, but we're out of time here. I'll just say this. If you haven't seen the women play this year in person, if you like hoops at all, you owe it to yourself to go check them out. So,
2: No doubt, man. They're they're a fun team to watch. I wasn't at the game last night like you, but I caught some of it. They look good. Fun team and a really good team as well. Well, Wes, the other thing we didn't get to talk about was recruiting. There are going to be some recruits in the house. So GameCutCentral.com, we got a full list up of some expected visitors. Go check that out. And we'll talk about that Monday for sure. Win or lose, talk about the game, talk about some recruits.
1: Sounds good. Uh, All right, for Chris, I'm Wes. This has been GC Live. Go check us out. Complete coverage all weekend long, GamecockCentral.com. Appreciate you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, round two.
0: Name something that's not boring.
3: laundry? Ooh, a
1: book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.